Hello and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm joined as per usual by my good friends Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Richard and Michael have spent two seasons debating and deliberating on the Mount Rushmore of any given topic, uh, the things that most re- strongly represent any certain topic. And this is the beginning of season three when we're going to keep doing the same thing. But we've been away from each other for a while, had a break. Thank God. Uh, each of us look kind of well rested, a little bit ch- well fed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you doing? Everyone's tan, everyone has a three foot long beard. Yeah. <laughs> As one does. Um, over the holidays and Christmas, at, during the Christmas season in Los Angeles, I spent most of my time tanning. Yeah. Tan. Working right. on the tan. I'm just stoked that uh, President Trump has finally been impeached. This is okay, fabulous Now news. let's re-record that. <laughs> I'm so bummed out that President Trump is still in office. <laughs> well, what's exciting about the new year and the new season is the time to evaluate what you're doing with the podcast, and we hope that we have some new things that uh, uh, you might find impressive. The longtime listeners and new listeners, we have a lot of fun things to promise you, and we want you to think that we're a pretty fun podcast and pretty cool. And our subject, our subject is movies we'd show to aliens that would prove that we're cool. Who who thunk of this? That was me. Why did you think of it? I was watching a movie where uh, humanity was battling with an alien, some sort of alien culture. I can't remember which one it was at this point, but I figured. The Spanish-American War? Yeah. <laughs> Topical. Was it Top Gun? <laughs> but I, I thought, man, there are so few movies where, like, if an alien saw it, they'd be like, man, uh, yeah, I like I, I, don't, I like those guys. Oh, or yeah, I don't yeah. like the Like, everything is like, you know, yeah. aliens. It's like, you know, Independence Day. They're all mm-hmm. coming to Earth to invade. Or they're all showing up and we're just like rejecting them and blowing them up. And yeah. uh, I, I kind of wanted to start the new year on like a positive note of like, mm-hmm. hey, what if what if there's a movie that we could show like these aliens that were like, hey, man, we're cool. Yeah. Are you guys cool? We're cool. Let's all be cool together. Awesome. So I that's one thing that I was kind of curious as to whether it meant we are welcoming and understanding and erasing. It's that. all rebel without a cause. No, it's, oh. it's all it's it's all movies. That uh, they wouldn't understand the cultural references of, uh, um, you know, that really show just cool guys in leather jackets. Okay, that's yeah, what I actually. Love, that's what I actually. I love that. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> well, we might as well jump into it and see what comes out here. Uh, I've got a few things up my sleeve. As a judge, I'm going to be just a little bit more proactive and sit back than sitting back and kind of letting you guys step all over me like you usually. Shut do. up, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> you, by the way, you should see the size of Jeff's sleeves right Big now. Sleeves. They're giants. Such I, I almost cannot sit in the room. Guys, look, I got a double gavel. Look at this. Two gavels in one. It's like oh, the, the double kick drum from Winger. Okay. All right. Uh, Richard, uh, Michael chose it. That means you go first. All right. So my first choice, uh, speaking of leather jackets, uh, Rebel Without a Cause. I don't mind. See, I don't actually. A lot of these topics are so loosely defined at times. Uh-huh. I could understand when um, we interpret things differently. You think we're going down that path? I don't know. Okay. What's... I, Go ahead. Why, why rebel? Uh, because I think that's the, when you think, if, if I were to, if an alien race were to come down and say, show, show me somebody who's cool. Yeah. I would most likely show them James Dean. You're tearing me apart. What? You, you say one thing, he says another, and everybody changes back again. He, and he seems like an alien in his own world. Though. In a sense, yeah. I mean, he seems uh, like he's somebody who sort of exists a little bit outside of, the norms of what we would consider to be like normal coolness. Yeah. Cause he's just like that much, that level higher. Uh-huh. And I think part of this is that I'm assuming the aliens know nothing about our 
about who we are as a people, right? Mm-hmm. So I can kind of convince them that most of us look like James Dean. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So, you know, unless they have to see me, I'm assuming I'll be in shadows somewhere, just sort of like uploading it to You're them. always in shadows. It's a, it's a good point. You spend 40% of your life in shadows. Well, you know, it's a uh, it, it's mainly a tax dodge. If, but if, if you were like a and d character, you would invest all of like your initial hit points into lurking <laughs> and skulking. <laughs> Split them between lurking and skulking. Can you get hit points for leering? Is that one that you can get? <laughs> um, yeah, I just think that having watched this movie a long time ago, and then it was interesting because I was went to go see the Disaster Artist a few weeks ago, and that's kind of a not too much of a spoiler alert here. That's something that Tom, Tommy Wiseau, Wiseau, whatever, however the hell you pronounce his name, yeah. like saw himself as James Dean. Yeah, and of course, in that context, it's fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is still something enduring about James Dean that I I can't quite put my finger on it. Yeah. Why his level of cool is endearing while like or enduring I should say mm-hmm. while like Richard Marlo- Grieco while Richard Grieco in 21 Jump Street <laughs> um, or, or, or or while Martin Marlon Brando or mm-hmm. Martin Brando yeah in the wild one yeah doesn't necessarily transfer over and I, I suppose most of it has to do with the fact that he died yeah very early and didn't he didn't we didn't have fat James Dean yeah Years, Ooh, you know, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Dean, but Jimmy Dean just, just loaded up just on Jimmy sausage. Dean, just gravy and sausage, mainlining it in his race car. Mob restaurant is located off I six. So I, we talked about this. Right, we talked about this a little bit in like Mount Rushmore of Jackets mm-hmm. last year, and also uh, when we did our Halloween episode, when we were talking about like the Ravenettes. I think that there is a iconic fifties cool thing that like it'll take a long time for that image to be killed. Yeah. Like I think it's right. so pervasive and it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, that you can you can look at that instantly and identify um outsider, you know, rebel specifically. Yeah. And someone that is just like cool. He does seem like blonde Elvis who also has a vulnerability that Brando never really shared and much of his Brando all, all, all ha, always had testosterone pegged to the max. And Jimmy Dean had this very feminine thing that uh, I think people found very attractive so um, you know what one thing that made me think of that uh, Richard was the uh, planetarium scene at the beginning of Rebel Without a Cause and how if I was an alien Mm. and was observing that scene Mm -hmm. where in the opening of this teenage B movie some people are watching a planetarium show where the earth explodes right (laughs) I think they might go well at least they're self aware Exactly, (laughs) They, they know what the fuck's going on with their planet um, okay, Michael, what's your first choice? Uh, my first choice is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Boys! One, two, three. I've been seeing this shape. Damn it, I know this. I know what this is. This means something. And it's one of the what few movies that the actually answer. shows like a welcoming aspect to aliens. Yeah, yeah. Like, no one freaks out unless it's against, like, like the government turns on itself and mm-hmm. turns on its people, but it never turns on the aliens yeah. and like the contact with the aliens. It doesn't treat them like hostile. It treats them with a kind of an open hand and saying, mm-hmm. uh, we want to learn from you. And that's like something that you don't just see in movies. It's all, uh, 
oh, here's the aliens hovering above the Earth, and now uh, let's blow them up with a, a rocket. Yeah. Uh, the actual aspect of like the third encounter, mm-hmm. third kind, mm-hmm. um, was based on this guy, Dr. Alan Hynek, who described the three encounters as uh, the first encounter is just the sighting of a UFO. The second encounter is physical evidence to prove the existence of an alien. And the third is actual contact. And the yeah. fourth kind is a, uh, you know, I saw that up the butt. I saw that <laughs> thing. Yeah. Anal probe. Yeah. But they never explain it in the movie. Like they, like, it's just like a concept that Spielberg kind of uh, went with mm-hmm. and they never like explained away what the three kinds of encounters yeah. is. Which I think is interesting and would never be done in movies now. Uh-huh. Well, they told you all about it. The three encounters are... Yeah, the, five, the five tones. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's just... You it, can't speak that language. <laughs> Idiot. Yeah, you got to do it with the hand signals and then it's um, shadow puppets. Mm-hmm. Another good way of talking to aliens is just like, okay, here's a butterfly and here's a dove and here's a dog barking and maybe uh-huh. a rabbit. Do you think the aliens would... Let's say you... We like to see ourselves represented as um, strong and powerful or or just charismatic on screen. Would the aliens think uh, at the end when the pod opens and the the alien race is revealed to be these skinny, anorexic, uh, rubber-faced people <laughs> and close encounters, do you think the aliens say, fuck that, I'm more like the signs going to kill you kind of alien because mm. that's more badass than... Maybe they'd be like super buff, like all these you know Arnold Schwarzenegger-looking aliens just start oh, yeah. coming out and just start flexing. Yeah, <laughs> just posing. <laughs> it's like Mr. Olympia. But like It's like here's the real Mr. Universe that comes out and starts showing their tries Maybe and that, buys. That is the fourth. The I fourth hear you have a Mr. Universe. Let's see him do this. <laughs> I am one the actual Mr. Universe. You're just Mr. World. I, I, I think the, the concept of aliens that are advanced, that can travel through space and time, yeah. they've it, it seems like their initial... It seems like the ideal thing is for them to be peaceful and just to spread knowledge and understand things rather than the the initial, uh-huh. you know, uh, concept that we I think as humans tend to lean on, which is well, they're obviously here to take our land and yeah. to enslave humanity and yeah. to, I guess, get, get our women. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so these are fascinating. One because I think like I I didn't even think that aliens would necessarily have to feature in. These choices. No, they don't. They don't have I to. Didn't, okay, I didn't okay. think either. Okay, okay. okay. Cons- I, I was getting concerned that these were all like movies were showing aliens approve. Hey, we're cool, man. I got no beef with you. Yeah, I got no beef with you, alien dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I I was concerned based on the first round here that we we're going into a uh, divergent hellhole oh, of, okay. a, top- of okay. a topic. Yeah, but I think may- we're okay. Maybe we'll, I think it's going s- maybe we'll still go down that hellhole. Oh. God, we can hope. Michael, this, uh, for the, peel open the curtain here. Michael has wanted to do this topic, I believe, since the first episode. Is this right? might have been one well, of the... first season, at least. This might have been one of the first topics we can, we put down in the the hopper. And I think I was, I was a little concerned about it because every time I'd ask you, so what exactly is this? You'd go, I don't know. Just... Stuff we show aliens to prove we're cool. That would basically be your response. Hmm. It's accurate. So here we are. Yeah. So here we are. Okay. Uh, well, it's a good thing I'm not judging it, and you're not judging it, and we got someone else in employed. Some employed. That's right. There's a pro what over the, wait, here. Wait. I get paycheck. <laughs> Holy fuck. You get, you get one third 
super excited of our uh, <laughs> of all of the money that we don't we don't make. Um, all right, so my second choice, I believe, is what you what you're going to ask me for. Jeff, yes, if yes, I can yes. read your mind, um, Shaft. Hey, you gonna tangle sooner or later. Why don't you stop playing with yourself, Willie? You ain't gonna do shit. Oh dear, really? Are you talking about Shaft? I am talking about Shaft. <laughs> shut your shut mouth, your mouth. <laughs> please. Be be quiet. I'm talking about Shaft. John Shaft. Yes, that's, that's accurate. Okay. okay. What? And by the way, for the record, not the Samuel L. Jackson version. No, 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 no. Which I'm sure was the Richard Roundtree. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think I would show this to an alien race, not just because Shaft's a bad mother. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, primarily because of that. I would also show show it to them to prove, hey, look, we've got different races down here. Hmm, good point. And <laughs> at, least, like a pro- at least at least two. At least I thought two. it was a proactive defense strategy. We could attack this planet, but there seems to be a very aggressive man in a black leather jacket. I really do like uh, this alien voice. <laughs> I want to know more about this alien. It Jeff. is kind of like Paul Lynn as an alien. <laughs> John Shaft. John Shaft. Well, they do. I mean, Shaft, <clears throat> that's probably the only rough part about this movie is they do have, if you remember, one of Shaft's like, buddies is the uh, the very Paul Lindy uh, oh yeah, bar owner, bar, barkeep. Yeah, is Antonio Vargas? Is that what he is? Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, Antonio Vargas was a huggy boy from. A... I thought he was in Shaft too. Okay. Well, no, no. But I, I was. Where are we go? What happened here? Just talking about Shaft. <laughs> <laughs> but I, there is something iconically cool about Shaft. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he is every film noir detective. But crossed with like a seventies, you know, black street culture hipness. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the soundtrack, which might be—I can't say it's the best soundtrack of all time, but it might be the coolest yeah. soundtrack of all time with Isaac Hayes. Yeah. Who, by the way, also would be on the uh, Rushmore of just cool ass mm-hmm. motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. So we got Isaac Hayes, you got Richard Roundtree, you got the jacket, and I didn't do the jacket thing twice in a row on purpose, but there we are. Yeah. Apparently, the jacket makes the man, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's why I would choose Shaft. So what distinguishes Shaft from... Is it his diversity that you would say distinguishes him from, say, just another cop movie or detective yeah. movie? Okay. I think there's part of that. I think that as a character outside of just sort of the... I don't want to say novelty of the, you know this being the early 70s. Uh-huh. And you hadn't really seen a lot of, really any films that had a uh, black lead like that. Yeah. I think Richard Roundtree is a really underrated actor for this type of role. Like, I, you, this this role could have been really badly miscast. Yeah. Even someone like Fred the Hammer Williamson. Yeah. Who I'm sure probably was up for the part at some point. Yeah. Or Jim Brown or something yeah. like that. I don't know that they would have had like the, they would have been able to do the physicality of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know they would have, that they would have been able to create a fully rounded character from this movie. Yeah. Because it is a pretty broad, like, character. Uh-huh. This is not, you know, Quentin Tarantino, you know, in terms of the writing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even though he may, may be trying to remake Shaft over and over again. Well, like Rebel Without a Cause, that elevated a B picture to an A kind of... Yeah, I don't know that the coolest movies are necessarily always the best movies. Mm-hmm. There seems to be some sort of... As I was researching this, I seem to find quite a bit of a gap between quality, not a huge gap, but 
you know, Schindler's list, list is not cool. Yeah. If um, if an alien did see this, you know, they they'd fig- they figured they'd be in trouble. Would they assume that there are just thousands of shafts out yeah. there yeah. that if they step out of line, that they're just like <laughs> they're gonna get pimp slapped by shaft. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's kind of my other point behind this was that we 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 need a defense just in case. Yeah. Like, on one hand, it's like, yeah, we're cool. On the other hand, it's like, we cool. Be cool. <laughs> That's kind of what this does. The idea that you could outpower or out technology a, a an entire planet is quickly eclipsed when you think they're this fucking cooler than us. Yeah, yeah, and also just like, is it worth the effort? Is it worth the if effort? If you're dealing yeah. with a million, you know, a five million shafts, is yeah. it really worth it? You just go on another planet that doesn't have shaft. Yeah, just move on. <laughs> a non shaft planet, um, like Sirius of Rigel Seven. There's not one. There's no. There's no. Shaft I have not seen point. a shaft. I did not okay. see a shaft on there. Okay. Okay. Also, I believe none of the moons of Indor nope. have a shaft on it. <laughs> so it's maybe a Billy wants. D. Williams, <laughs> but that's about it. Michael, your second choice. Uh, I have to assume that these aliens also have like a good sense of humor. Yeah. 1996 is Mars Attacks. What is that? White House is coming out live. My fellow Americans. This is a momentous occasion. It is profoundly moving to know there is intelligent life out there. Alien life. And our world will never feel quite oh, the well. same again. Where? <laughs> Did you? I was uh, reading about that. Uh, the noise of the the, Mar- the, the Martians mm-hmm. is a duck's quack reversed. Oh, is it? Yeah. So think about ducks. Turn them ass words around. <laughs> and there you go. There's, there's a duck quacking. Is there... Uh, this is a really fun comedic uh-huh. movie. Probably his most, like his biggest kind of broadest comedy mm-hmm. where, you know, he portrays these Martians that come to Earth and, you know, humanity initially um, kind of is hesitant. And then yeah. they extend the kind of the olive branch and the wel- they try to welcome yeah. uh, these these creatures from another planet to their Earth. And, of course, something goes wrong. The, these doves that are released are, you know... Uh, seem to freak out the Martians mm-hmm. and they start killing a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And I do like that initially, uh, like all the leaders and the president, they're like, well, maybe we just misunderstood yeah. these Martians. And then they invite them to Congress and then they just blow everything up. And they, we just realize, oh, that these guys are just here to have fun and kick ass and destroy everything and have a good sense of humor <laughs> yeah. about it. It's, I, I remember not shifting gears with Tim Burton for this film. I remember thinking I was going there expecting Pee Wee or Batman or mm-hmm. something like that. And and having a hard time seeing Nicholson in a comedic or multiple comedic roles. And, and Glenn and, Close. And Glenn Close. Uh, but definitely from a positioning standpoint, I, I, if aliens were to see this, I think, oh, these guys are having a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, sure, at the end, they get their kind of comeuppance when they're, like, felled by... Uh, yeah. Slim Whitman. <laughs> yeah, yodeling, yeah. Yodeling, yodeling country music. Yeah. You know, the dumbest. I love that, that with all aliens, the dumbest thing kind of takes them down, whether it's water or just like breathing the air yeah. or country music. Like, yeah. It's never like we, we've blown them up with our technology. It's just like, eh, they just kind of die. Yeah. Or, or we're able to like get some sort of like code into their uh, main line of their computer mm-hmm. with our like Apple IIe. That's mm-hmm. a dumb. I mean, that movie is dumb. So dumb. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I expect that these higher intelligent beings also have a higher sense of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a good sense of, they can poke fun at themselves. They've probably dealt with Martians. 
Yeah. You know, these aliens from another, you know, another uh, universe or another galaxy, mm-hmm. they've probably flown past Mars. And they're like, oh, they, uh, we hate Mars, too. Yeah. These guys, yeah. we've we've already been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like we, Yankees suck. We, we all know. <laughs> yeah. It does have a pretty cool cast, too. I mean, you got wild. the aforementioned Jim Brown. Yeah. And Tom Jones. Yeah. How much cooler do you get than that? I mean, come on, right there. You're 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 in good shape, yeah. cool, coolness wise. Wait, isn't that, I mean, terrible pick, Michael. Awful. <laughs> is not the rendition of the alien from a Topps trading card or something like yeah, that? Yeah, nineteen sixty two. Uh Topps like that's it's ridiculous that that was like Tim Burton's pull. Yeah. Or whoever was the original writer for it. I'm sure it was, it was Alex Cox. Who uh, did oh, Repo was? Man? Really? Yeah, wow. and uh, 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 Walker uh, and uh, uh, Sid and Nancy, right? Sid and Nancy. Mm-hmm. The the idea of beginning from a piece of popular culture kind of makes that film a piece of pop art because it's certainly obeying no uh, strong narrative and it's just about these larger than life characters. And I love I love that the aliens just the the way the Martians, uh, the way they just have such a good time destroying, yeah, all of man's greatest achievements and just. Well, I think it's vers- versus Independence Day, where showing like the destruction of all these like you know historic you know incredible places is shown in like this is a very like dramatic like oh my god what are they doing here it's like oh it's just fun yeah they're, they're carving their own, own faces face into, into Rushmore yeah into Mount Rushmore they're knocking over uh, like the Eiffel Tower or like some uh, the uh, Washington Monument and they're just like. Trying to crush people. It's the type of destruction you would see in a Looney Tunes yes. yeah. cartoon yeah. when yeah. somebody is like Taz is like destroying <laughs> different like landmarks. All right, guys, we are at our halfway mark. This is a wonderful, wonderful moment where I get to implore you, the audience, to download, rate, and review our past episodes, uh, but also um, support a organization, a fine organization that's supporting us, the Mount Rushmore Podcast. And you, the listeners of the Mount Rushmore Podcast, can receive from Audible a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. If you are interested in aliens, maybe you could download and read Not Alone by Craig A. Falconer. I'm not sure about this. I think it might be soft core porn. Oh, I'm interested. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that is one of over 180,000 titles you can choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, MP3 player, or Merlin. Do you remember Merlin? It was like a red brick that had about seven buttons on it. It was basically like a calculator. Oh, yeah. I remember you could play little games on it. Yeah, little games and things like that. How about your Simon? Can you play that? You put it on Simon or something like that? Not my son Simon. No, no, that's That's weird. That's weird. That's weird. Um, But you, the listener, can go to audibletrial.com slash Rushmore, audibletrial.com slash Rushmore to sign up for your free, free audiobook. And hey, since you're already on the internet, go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, go to your uh, iPod, go to your podcast aggregator, and grab the late, latest, and the late episodes of our podcast. Latest and later. Later episodes of our podcast. Or earlier. Or earlier. And download, rate, and review them because it helps uh, other people find us. And then go join us on the dialogue about uh, the shows that we're going to do in this third season. You can still help us shape this third season and help shape uh, the dialogue by going to the Facebook, Mount Rushmore page, and Instagram, and Twitter, and stuff. Yeah, I'd love to like bump off some of our crummy ideas with your crummy ideas yeah. from the list of things oh, yeah. we're recording. So. Yeah, sure, yeah. Because tr- tr- trust me, I've looked at the list for this season. <sighs> mm-hmm. We could use some help, boys yeah. and girls. Guys, um, 
I got something in this bag right here. I got something in this bag, hmm. uh, and it's called the Borglum bag. Is it a snake like Jake the Snake Roberts? You don't know what's in this bag yet. You don't know what's in this bag. This is Gutsum Borglum's bag. Gutsum Borglum, who was he? He was the guy who chose the presidents who were honored on the Mount Rushmore Monument, and he is the namesake for this bag that I'm holding right here. And in this bag, the judge is allowed to place and seal and shut tight his choice, his choice for the category. And one of you guys has to try to beat this choice. Otherwise, I'm going to take my choice instead of you, and a point will be removed. I will get the point. Hmm. And inside this bag, I'm going to open it up. Open it up. I usually like to dig, dig deep, back, 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 back. But I've got a current movie, and it's called Guardians of the Galaxy. And this is one of my favorite newer movies for a couple different reasons. It has hints of Star Wars, the scrappy um, ragtag band of misfits who kind of come together to try to save the galaxy. And it has elements of, I think, the movie Princess Bride. There's this uh, ragtag band of misfits who uh, band together to try to save the princess. And it basically has, I think, a by... Ragtime music. Ragtime music. <laughs> it would show aliens that we Earth people listen to kind of cool music, and it would show Earth people that the world that aliens live in is kind of diverse and crazy, and they're a bunch of weirdos, and there's a lot of adventure to be had. So I'm putting this bag in the bag, but one is you got to beat you got to beat the bag. you got to beat the Borglum bag. Oh, I've beat the bag before. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... What's uh, that even mean? I, I, I don't... That, I don't know. Man. I like it. I liked it. Uh, it sounded good, but sounded I don't know good. what it means. Yeah. Uh, your third. Uh, it's Guardians of the Galaxy. No. What the just fuck? Kidding, just kidding. Just kidding. That would be fantastic, though. Maybe I shouldn't have opened the bag. Yeah. yeah Note to self, close the bag. Premature bag opening. <laughs> um, I, saw, I saw them open for Henry Rollins. <laughs> I had to say that. Yeah, of course you did. Um, my third choice is um, The Professional. You can't stop. What you can't see. This guy came from the outside. He was a pro. He was fast. In the art of the kill, Leon was the master. Somebody's coming up. Somebody's serious. He never missed a hit. He never got caught. You're indestructible. Bullets slide off you. You play with them. And above all else, he never had a reason to care. Until now. I like this car. It's great. It is a great movie. And I think I put this on here very much because I think Luc Besson is not necessarily a great filmmaker. Mm. But but he makes great visuals. And he he, yeah. he does great things with film. Even though overall, I'd say throughout his career, enti- the entirety of his career. Mm-hmm. It's pretty messy. Yeah. He makes very messy movies. Yeah. And I would argue this is this and maybe La Femme Nikita are the two that are the least messy mm-hmm. and the two that I think are the most the story is full that are actually that are actually based on a story because they're and not characters in space. because maybe because they're not in space uh-huh. and maybe it's because it's not just about the visuals. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like that sometimes he gets so wrapped up in the visual aspect mm-hmm. of his movies. That even his garbage movies, like I didn't see the Valerian, blah 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 garbage yeah. one, but um, I, I, I've heard it's actually quite good. The opening, like I, I watched. Uh, strangely enough, um, my stepdad Morgan, hi Morgan, who we uh, listens to this podcast. Oh, um, hey Morgan, what's up? We um, 
it, one of the things he requested for Christmas, a gift, was Valerian on DVD. Oh, okay. And I had had no real um, knowledge of the movie. I think it kind of came and went. And, you know, sometimes those movies or some movies just don't get the same kind of push. But, like, the opening title sequence was, like, well, that's what, that's fabulous. The, that's the thing I read. I remember seeing the trailer for it when I went to go see Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And it was a 3D trailer and had the glasses on. I thought, oh, my God, this is like. This is like seeing Avatar, like that in terms of like how beautiful and like just different it looked. And then I don't know, man. Every review I, I read was like, first scene's great. Once you get to the actual plot, <laughs> boom. Thumbs is he down. is he like the French Terry Gilliam? Yes. Where like he just has a, a, a visually just a, uh-huh. a set idea about what he wants to happen, yeah. and then like he kind of gets in his own way a little bit. I think I, there's an element of I that. I feel like yeah. he's also the French Wachowskis because he takes us on these epic intergalactic trips that seem to be full of, of sound and fury. True. But, but at, the t- at the end, you walk away going, huh? The profession was definitely uh, stripped down. Yeah, yeah. To, yeah to, now that we've talked about his space operas, let's get <laughs> back to talking about, yeah. uh, about Jean Reno as what, a. Uh, what I loved about professional is you have an adult who is childlike and a child who is very adult before she's... Should be. Yeah, yeah. Precocious to the extreme, as mm-hmm. in firing off guns. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, and, and, and it's interesting to me. I thought about this, and my first thought was, oh, I'd show this to an alien to show, like, hey, we've got hitmen. Yeah, we got this guy. <laughs> Back <laughs> off the... This guy will fuck you up. Yeah. Kind of in the shaft sort of way. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, no, he's not the cool one in this movie. The yeah. cool one's Natalie Portman's character. Yeah. She's the boss in this movie. She's the, she is the badass. She is the person who has to deal with, you know, her family being murdered, and having to go on the run, and still manages to retain, sort of, her dignity and her sense of worth, and, and all the while being like twelve years old or however old, 10, yeah. whatever she was. Um, that was one of the movies. That so started, she's really the cool one, you know. Started the countdown clock. The, that and the I think movie Beautiful Girls started. Yeah, to her little, age of majority. <laughs> got a little awkward yeah. with that. That yeah. I, I, uh, the Madonna does she dance to like a Madonna song? Or yeah, something, something yeah. like yeah. that. But yeah, I mean that character is the cool character in the movie. I, I think Luc Besson does a much, especially back then, did a much better job relating to female characters than he almost did to male characters, mm-hmm. especially these sort of like female characters who are forced to be empowered mm-hmm. by certain forces outside of their mm-hmm. own. Um, but, you know, Jean Renault is a great performance in, in that as well. Is there a reason why this and Shaft, I think you've made statements, but I just want like more support here. Cause, sure. Uh, why aliens? I mean, why, why, why these, these are definitely cool movies with cool protagonists, but why would aliens give a fuck about this versus something else like a diehard or like, or a born identity? Cause they're like, well, I, th- I think with this one specifically, what I would say is like, look, if you're coming here to start trouble, we're not going to stop. Like the, yeah. the, the humans have like a resilience mm-hmm. behind them. Yeah. You know, much like Natalie, Natalie Portman's character or, you know, mm-hmm. or even Jean, Jean, Jean Renaud. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Didn't want to do the whole episode. His name's actually like Frank Reno. Just call him Terry Gilliam. Frank Reno. <laughs> um but both their characters have sort of like this drive and this like ability to persevere. Yeah. And I think that's a character what no matter what the aliens are coming mm-hmm. down for. Does, I would like to show that I would like to show them that. Does seem like the report that the underling alien always gives to the alien general is um 
They they have inferior technology, but they are crafty and strong. <laughs> they always, right. always reporting to them. Fall back. Right. <laughs> Fall back to Praxis 9. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys are idiots. <laughs> we can't possibly defend them in this apartment block. <laughs> they will blow us up with a they grenade. They will blow us up. Uh, Michael, what's your next choice? My third choice is... Uh, you know, we need to show these aliens that we're good people in spite of being so desperately flawed. Yeah. 2008's Wall-E. Ten seconds to self-destruct. You are now free to move around the cabin. Just a trim? You look gorgeous. <laughs> character is this robot who's part Charlie Chaplin, part Buster Keaton, part Harold Lloyd, part R2-D2. And, you know, the first half of the movie is told basically as a silent movie. It's told with visuals and it's told with, you know, a modicum of like sound effects and music, but it's not told with a language. It's not told with anything that um, you would need to translate other than what you see on screen. Yeah. And the way the Pixar and Disney was able to uh, bring humanity to this, you know, square block on wheels with just these big dopey eyes. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just, you know, I, I think it's one of their best movies and one of their most, like, human and touching in spite of it being about, initially about robots. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, it kind of turns into this movie about human consumption and human sloth and you know kind of abandoning the planet yeah but it takes like this other little blocky robot to kind of pull humanity back to show them that there is still something Mm -hmm. in the earth that is worth kind of getting out of that funk for yeah i i wish this movie was french or foreign or something like that because i feel like pixar tells these beautiful stories that if they were translated from another language, I would imagine there's something cultural, a cultural gap that I'm missing. But like, I love the first half of Wall, first half hour of Wally. I love the first half hour of Up, and then it just becomes a pie fight to me to get to this mm. conclusion that I just don't even understand why the conclusion. So I loved seeing Wally, seeing this character, the nuance, the um, the way without words you can illustrate this guy who, and I think that's true of great animation these characters are some told total their behaviors and actions it's not what they say it's what they do and i think they define this amazing character with such grace and then eve comes in and then you go with, with fat people on a spaceship and i just stopped caring at mm. all about this thing i don't know why that's interesting it also has fred willard i love fred willard <laughs> I love hold fred on willard. let's see if i can just like throw in a few uh it's got a it's got a uh-huh. good Hello Dolly reference in it, there. Do you, you love th- Hello Dolly? So far, I, yeah. I th- feel like there's the showing, if we were to convince ourselves, uh, convince aliens that we're cool, is it because we're showing our humanity and our ability to understand our own flaws? Because that's that's what I think Wally does really well, is show I, the yeah. human condition. <laughs> yes, definitely. It's it's Here is a alien culture 
that is obviously far advanced beyond whatever we are as these yeah. kind of babies in the universe. And, uh, you know, they probably do have these aliens. They probably do have, I had to check myself there. On just, <laughs> just referring to these things as like real things that actually yeah. happens versus just yeah. our imagination. Yeah. But they have obviously in this fictional world, the ability to, uh, destroy us. Yeah. They, they have mastered, themselves to the point where they're working together to get off their own planet uh-huh. and to explore the universe and yeah. they have a technology and a weapons and a whatever yeah. like they have gotten past the point where like they're arguing over religion and mm-hmm. borders and yeah. states and you know for them to not like just be like okay you guys are worthless it's you know yeah. it's like yeah it's like when you think of like the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy Mm-hmm. You know, they view the Earth as just a thing that's in the way yeah. to build their expressway. Yeah, yeah. And at some point, you're just like, no, no, we actually have, there's a goodness here. Right. But, you know, the Vorgons are like, well, you know, you yeah. had your chance. Yeah. You're, you're eh, no one actually cares. You're, you're insignificant. Uh, and I think that part of this, or my idea behind this thing was just to show like, oh yeah, we're, we're worth something. Mm-hmm. I think the roles in Wally, the robots... Wally the the robot has become human, and the humans have become these robotic people who just are consumption machines. <laughs> Sweet irony. <laughs> uh, what I love about the idea of aliens coming to Earth is that that by the time they get here, they still have all the might and power of this conquering uh, colonialization type of race. Not like say a guy who drives his Ford Pinto from from New York to L.A. and <laughs> just comes in just on fumes, doesn't have any money whatsoever. I would love if they showed up and they're just like, their ship has like zero battery. Their cell phones need to be charged. They got no money. <laughs> I like that. And you're like, oh, are they going to conquer us? Bro, we just need... <laughs> we need to get to the next need, town. Can we just like shack here for like a night? <laughs> Isn't that Paul basically? Right? Is it Paul? Oh, I the, never the, did the movie see Paul. That. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I think that's roughly the uh, plot of the movie. <laughs> I, it's one of those movies that I think I've... I know I've seen, but I only... Like have like the faintest memory of. It's fit. I would say fitfully entertaining is, is a good way to yeah. put it. It falls into that. Oh, is you know that's a was that an Edgar Wright movie? No, but like it was. But it had the two guys. But it had, had Simon Simon Pegg and Frost. Yeah. So it's like you're like, oh, it mm. it had them, but it wasn't quite as clever as yeah. and as well done as the as right. the other two. You like know, their exactly. pineapple the express five yeah. or whatever they've done together. Yeah, basically. Uh, Richard, your final. Final countdown. Can you make your final choice? Oh, boy. Um, My last choice is the first, I think, truly independent movie I really remember as a a young adult getting into high school-y, early college. And it is a film by a filmmaker named Hal Hartley called Amateur. Do all women have hair between their legs like this? Yeah, I guess most. There's a woman on page 22 who doesn't. Can I keep this? It belongs to a friend of mine. I gotta give it back. Look, the new Sophia Luden's movie. Uh, came out in 1994. Um, and if you haven't seen it, and if you're not familiar with the oeuvre of Hal, Hal Hartley, if I may speak French, um, he was kind of a filmmaker, I think. In many ways, he was Tarantino without the weaponry. Or a somewhat 
less uh, mordant uh, with Stillman, uh-huh. if that makes sense. Well, he had an ensemble of, of characters, especially Martin Donovan, Donovan that we reused, and there there seemed to be a type of intellectual elevated dialogue and and storytelling that he used from one thing to another. But wh- why is amateur the one you choose? Well, first off, I, I didn't re- I'd forgotten this until I was doing the research on it. So the title amateur is actually a uh, partially a uh, acronym that brings together all the elements of the film. And so and I think it kind of shows a little bit about I don't want to show I would want to show the aliens I think all of the best and worst of humanity. Aliens love uh, acronyms too. They are. That's a fact. You know alien <laughs> alien is an acronym in of itself. A life is extra neat. Neat. Nutella. It's true. Is it new? Is it <laughs> yeah, Nutella? Nutella? Oh, awesome. So, um, so it's accountancy, murder, amnesia, torture, ecstasy, understanding, and redemption. That's what. That's what it is. It stands for. Those are his themes. That's basically the themes that are going oh. through this movie. Wow. Um, Martin Donovan, who you, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, plays Thomas, a character who just wakes up in a gutter and has amnesia and does has no idea who he is, how he got there, anything about himself. Winds up getting taken in by. Isabel Hooper, if I may again mangle some French. This is the Man- Richard Mangles French episode, pretty much. Um, who plays a ex-nun who is now uh, a virgin nymphomaniac uh, writing very bad porn. That's a mouthful. It is. <laughs> that, yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot of. That's I mean, a, that's a lot of stuff to carry on like your business card. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's mm-hmm. a business card that actually folds out like a, like a billfold or <laughs> yeah. something. That's the type of movie it is. It is very much a when I when I watch this movie and I'd watch this a lot when I was you know, in college. If you were to ask me, Richard, what 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 are the qualities that made an indie film in the mid nineties? This one would have like all of them. Yeah, irony, kind of. Humor, but in a very sort of dry mm-hmm. sort of and, and understated sort of way. Like, yeah. when it, like, like I think Martin Donovan asked Isabel Huppert's character about, well, wait, how can you be a nymphomaniac if you've never had sex? And I think her response is, well, I'm just choosy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's in New York. It's set it's in like New York. Stillman's the cool, little, yeah. The, yeah, the cool New York of the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. It's... It's shot in a very specific, like it's almost got a bit of a blue tint to the whole production, which kind of gives it this gives it this sort of edgy hip kind mm-hmm. of vibe. It also had one of the coolest soundtracks of the '90s. I mean, if it, if if you were to sit down and say, "Okay, what did College Rock, mm-hmm. uh, Grandpa? What did College Rock sound like in the mid '90s?" Mm-hmm. It had uh, "My Bloody Valentine," uh, P.J. Harvey, Yola Tengo. Uh, Liz Fair, Pavement. So it was, I think actually that's how I came across the movie was working at the radio station and listening to the soundtrack and looking at it and seeing, oh, these are all people who look like, this looks like this should be a cool movie. You got, you know, character, characters of, with uh, Betty Page haircuts and a tight leather, tight you know, vinyl dresses. Then you got Martin Donovan. Then you got this dorky looking guy with like, the accountant who's got like the crazy hair and yeah, it, 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 I think again, I would show this to aliens if we were trying to prove how cool we are. Oh, hear that music. It's me, George Washington, founder of the country. The first oh, Mr. president. Washington, how are you? 
Ah, uh, greetings. Green I don't know doff, where doff I am. Doff my cap, sir. I doff, I doff my tricorner cap back at you. When you speak of this New York. You oh, New Amsterdam. New I'm sorry, Amsterdam. sir. New Amsterdam. And it had the cool haircuts and it had all the... It had the cool haircuts with the clothes and, and the, the clothes. songs. Yeah. They had music, and it was slightly, slightly music, less, like slight, on a harpsichord. Slightly less jaunty than the music you may have been familiar oh, with yes. in your youth. Yes, more feedback. Did like you a, have feedback on your harpsichord? Well, some kind of. If I'm really going to town on turkey in the straw and a, <laughs> a harpsichord spring, your wooden teeth would rattle. Little teeth will rattle. Yes, sometimes you hear the tea kettle humming on the on the burner. And I, so I would say, Mr. Washington, beyond the plot, this is a story about redemption, and it's a story about being able to move on from your past. And I think that that is something that if I were to show aliens, I would want to prove to them that as sort of a culture, as a society, humans, we are people who are able. We we we, we are kind of a race who are able to forgive we we have kindness in our hearts even if you make mistakes so mr alien if you happen to show up and you know accidentally crash into the eiffel tower and knock it down whoops oh we're my say, bad we're willing to say yes you're bad as long as you apologize about it we and could feel say very bad no harm no foul as we say in the revolution the american revolution was that was that in like the turkey that's arms? right <laughs> you know I'm glad you guys changed, by the way, that uh, the turkey was, wild turkey wasn't the... Uh... That Ben Franklin, him and his crazy ideas, a foul idea. Was he, was he loaded on absinthe? That's right, a wormwood. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, yes, you know Ben and those French prostitutes. Is his this... body is riddled with scurvy. My, Michael, this is, have, this is the best thing of the new season. Have, uh, I can't wait till Roosevelt comments oh, on some I, shit. I have to. <laughs> Time warp closing. Must go back. Ah! Jeff, what's up? When you went out to the bathroom up, right now, <laughs> you missed it. Thing. Oh shit! And we went to the Hall of Presidents. Are you serious? And George Washington showed up from the Hall of Wait, Presidents. From Disneyland? Yes. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, strange. <laughs> Was he as rickety and bad in performance? Yeah, in life as he is in the Hall. Of pretty much as we would expect. Yes. Well, uh, I guess Richard, you're next. Oh, you just went? I, I did. I did it. you miss that whole I part? Sorry. It. Well, I see some notes here, so maybe. I'll go on the notes. Uh, Michael, what's your last one? My last choice is, what if these guys are actually dorks? Listen, they're they're aliens. They're oh. space guys. Yeah. They're like... They're the scientists. They're the scientists. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my next pick is the Lord of the Rings trilogy from 2001 to 2003. They don't have time for that shit, Michael. No, okay. There's two reasons. They don't, they're, <laughs> they're aliens. They're busy. They're busy... Not people, whatever they are, they don't have time for that. Reason number one. This is three this, movies, not one movie. Also, yes. Well, you, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> one, we need them to show this movie. We need to show them this movie so we have time to organize oh. and get out of town or mount our defense. So this is extended. This is this, yeah, the extended Blu-ray okay. cut. Uh, we can even kind of force them to watch like the director's commentary yeah. afterwards. We can show them the all the making of. You know, they'll be into that. Yeah. So we got a lot of hours just yeah. just to prep blowing them up. Because honestly, at this point, fuck these guys. Zircon. You come over here to our planet? Fuck you. <laughs> Zircon, cool. your wife looks like Gollum. She does not. <laughs> hey, he's kind of right, Zircon. Shut up. <laughs> so this is a strategic move. Zircon, you put the orc in dark. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, what? 
so it's just okay. a long movie. You could have no, shown no, no, no. them anything. No, no, no. There's actually there's another reason. That was the, okay. the, the funny joke reason, oh. which wasn't that funny. Okay. Not that much of a joke. The second reason, there's two big scenes and they're uh, in the two towers and in Return of the King mm-hmm. that speak to this kind of overall sense of humanity that I think that I keep trying to get back to. One is Sam and Frodo are in like the town of Osgiliath and the Nazgul are flying over and Frodo, it's always fucking Frodo, who like has lost hope. He's weighed down by this ring and Sam gives him this big impassioned speech about what they're doing and what what's worth fighting for. Mm -hmm. And it's just this beautiful scene and we'll play a clip from it, but like. It's, it's about hanging on to all these things that are what's good in the world. Mm-hmm. And no matter how desperate you are for um, that things may seem that you got to persevere. Yeah. And then the second scene that I specifically was thinking of was they're climbing in Return of the King. They're climbing up the steps of Mount Doom. And Frodo is done again because this guy is mm-hmm. always he's lazy. He's, you know, kind of a jerk. Yeah. And then Sam is uh-huh. like he comes to his rescue again and he kind of shows him he's like listen I can't carry this ring come on Mr. Frodo I can't carry it for you but I can carry you come on this isn't my task but I can carry you and yeah the music swells yeah and he throws him over his shoulder and he's hiking up this thing towards yeah. doom yeah. literally yeah. To, towards the impossible and it was just like this those two are these beautiful moments that these two humans mm-hmm. yeah. hobbits share. They're basically yeah. humans. Yeah. That they share to show that uh, they you can persevere through all sort of yeah. trials. And the least of us shall be the ones who yeah. who lead the way. The the I remember the corniness of some of some of those moments, but also having a tear going down oh, my yeah. face because it was just so so moving. Also, it's got like you know these cool dragon things, and yeah. they, I mean the aliens must be impressed with some <laughs> stuff like that, like the big fight scenes. That's yeah. cool. Which of these do you think? Are, do you still think they have those big giant guys? There's no way that Legolas <laughs> could ride down that Oliphant's <laughs> tusk and take him down with twelve. <laughs> no way. So wait a second. Couldn't the giant eagles just come down the whole time? This is really uh, don't confusing. Don't you understand the concept of you cast? You catastrophe. Wait, big spiders. Game over. Game over. <laughs> Shelope. I don't want to mess with that. I love that dwarf. <laughs> well, that was a com- that's a compelling. It sounds like you've got you're firing on two different barrels there. There's the showing the resilience of the human condition, and then just from a s- diversionary stalling tactic alone. Sure. So yeah, I mean that's at least the nine, maybe ten hours that we can get our <laughs> missiles locked and loaded. I mean, you know, it doesn't take that long to like shoot down missiles from Russia or wherever, you know, uh, yeah. North Korea, wherever they're coming from. In right. what a week? I just we're about this, a week out from that. This alien conversation. This is a long movie. <laughs> Do you think they're stalling? I haven't seen them in a while. I have to take a restroom break, and <laughs> I don't even use the restroom. Our bodies are not like that, and I still really need to pee. <laughs> I haven't heard from those guys in a while. <laughs> Poor Boromir. <laughs> I can't believe they're TVs. This is Andy Serkis guy. What a hack. Okay, so, uh, wow. This is pretty exciting. This is um, some really great choices in really expanding on my understanding of what it would take, uh, or really expanding on my understanding of the topic, and that is what movies we would show aliens to prove them that we're cool. Richard, as usual, your you are concerned with showing your strength and power and might. I mean, Richard's the guy who's always kind of flexing. He's the guy who always grabs the jelly jar to show that he can open it. 
He's, to be fair, Michael has trouble with jelly jars. Yeah, no, it's a, he's it's a problem that he has. The spindly a mental issue. It's more it's, of a mental it's, issue. It's totally it's, that's fear all of it's, jelly jars. <laughs> I try wrapping it on the edge of a counter. Doesn't work. I try the spanking it on the bottom thing. Uh, doesn't work. Doesn't work. Yeah, I give up pretty pretty quickly. <laughs> Here, hand it to. If Richard. I was climbing up Mount Doom, I would be like, Nah, <laughs> we're done. Forget it. Oh, well, been, that looks really high. <laughs> and I'm out. So, Richard, you seem like you were talking about how you can demonstrate coolness and kind of strength. Um, through through kind of the the these characters like Shaft or like the Leon and the Professional, um, and so and like how cool little uh, Jimmy Dean was, Michael. It seemed like your theme was showing compassion and kindness for the most part, showing these uh, Earth people as people who can understand people from another planet or people who have uh, a compassion for growing things or um or at least a sense of humor with mars attack so i thought it was neat that if i felt like i was able to on rare occasions suss out your thinking in regards to that or the choices um but these are the choices that i have made okay rebel without a cause one of my favorite movies and i don't know if this was part of your justification or not but i loved the intergalactic scene at the beginning made rebel without a cause a very um unusual movie at the time and almost did paint Jimmy Dean as this kid who comes from another planet, not just another town. So I'd like to uh, have that be one of the choices. And uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy, I think that was a fun pick. And like Michael said, it's operating on a couple different ways from a stalling tactic alone, but also uh, depicting images of these scrappy, resilient people and also big orcs and, and giants and things like that. Close Encounters. I dug that one. Uh, I think that's one of the almost the it almost felt like an indie film about aliens or like Three Days of the Con- Condor or something that had a government conspiracy and showed the complexity of the relationship that we can have in regards to aliens. And then the final choice, open it up the bag, Jeff Hopkins, Jeff Hopkins picking Guardians of the Galaxy. I like that choice, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate it. I think it's good that you, as a judge this season, are really kind of you know swinging your dick around. What does uh, what does President Washington think about this? Real quickly, do not let authority go to your head, young man. I was president, and then I decided one should not be president permanently. There should be term limits. No, no, I, I meant real quick, Mr. President. Mr. President. Does that hurt when you do that, by oh, the way? God, yeah, it's a wormhole through time. Um, oh, I, I should, uh, there's a woodpecker I, on my dentures. Ow. I, I, what I meant more was... Hold on. Where's the cherry tree? I want to start chopping. Who, who's your favorite guardian? Of course, it's Star-Lord. Who? Who? It's Chris Pratt with abs. Oh, okay. Oh. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, welcome to season three. We're glad to have you back as listeners and new listeners. We're glad to have you joining us. Uh, I am always Colonel Washington. I am Teddy Roosevelt. I'm Michael. Colonel Washington. You got demoted. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like Colonel Plum or something like that. Uh,